Yeah, I'm telling you, they included every kind of narrative they could. <laughs> right? <laughs> it, that's why it's such a brilliant thing. Like they, and it, it wasn't, it was just very, it's just well done. It wasn't in your, it wasn't like, mm. oh, bam, here you go. I mean, it's just a good damn movie. Like, let's not lie about that. <laughs> right. <laughs> so watch it. Everybody go see it. All right. the things. Boom. <laughs> Welcome to episode 81 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brewed pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. You can catch new episodes weekly as the Reverends Shannon Meacham, Ogan Holder, and yours truly, Brian Burkoff, and occasional guests address and engage what's happening through a theological lens, usually with a good brew in hand. We are brought to you by the New Thought Channel Television, a proud sponsor of Pub Theology Live. Watch New Thought, spiritual but not religious. Empowering and positive television anytime, anywhere. Catch original programmings, talks, movies, and more online. Your TV, your phone, tablet, or iPad, or any electronic device you may have. <laughs> Visit NewThoughtChannel.com to learn more and subscribe. Change the channel, change your life. Is it that easy? I mean, we have to ask. I mean, just really. Change, change the channel, change your I life. I love the slogan. It's, it's but promising like, a lot. That's what I'm just going to say. I think it's more like turn off the TV, change your life. Might be right. Might be right. Uh, or turn on Pub Theology Live and change your life. There you, know, you go. Put in so. your headphones, change your life. <laughs> we are also brought to you by Wink Wine Club. Wink with a C features superbly crafted wines delivered right to your door. You can get started at trywink.com slash PT live for $20 off your first order and other savings. And even better, how about three bottles on us? If you call us and leave a voicemail at 980-PT-LIVE-0 or 980-785-4830 or email us at info at pubtheology.com and we select your comment you could win uh, three bottles from Wink, and there's one winner per month. By the way, Ogan's back next week, and I really miss his, um, you know, very Barbados accent where he says savings. Savings. Saving. <laughs> savings. <laughs> he never says Jesus. So Ogan's back next week. Yay! You can say savings. Although you do that beautifully, Brian, I have to say. Well, you can also join our conversation on Twitter or Facebook using hashtag PT Live. And today we are joined by seminarian, preacher, and podcaster Tamika Young Savage. And we'll talk about her new podcast, maybe talk about Black Panther, and maybe a bit on what might it take to move forward in our nation uh, in the area of gun violence. So welcome, Tamika. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> it's really great to have you. Tell us um, where you're joining us from. Maybe if you have a beverage you care to share about, uh, although, you know, you're in the church yeah, basement, I'm so gonna... your options might uh, be limited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, right now I'm at uh, my internship site at Christ Lutheran in D.C., um, right off of 16th Street in Northwest. And I'm actually drinking tea. I'm not drinking anything uh, alcoholic. Uh, yeah, not to not right now. <laughs> Maybe when I get home. <laughs> but yeah, which is okay too. But nonetheless, yeah. I mean, <laughs> and um, anything else you want to tell us about yourself? Uh, where are you in seminary, and where are you in that process? Anything else? Yeah. Interests, hobbies? Sure. I uh, attend United Lutheran Seminary in Gettysburg and Philly. So now we have two campuses. Um, I am in my third year at seminary, which usually includes an internship, which I'm on now, and I'm doing a concurring one. So I'll be doing this for my third and fourth year. So pray for me, um, <laughs> in the long journey. For sure. uh, 
and right now my interests are uh, my podcast and making it through this very long journey. <laughs> excellent. To becoming a pastor, yeah. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Also joined by Shannon, and Shannon, okay, why don't you everybody. tell us tell us what you're drinking? So I am drinking a Tropicanon Heavy Seas. It was a beautiful day today. Um, it might have hit 70, but if not, it was very close. And I'm feeling very tropical. So I'm, I grabbed a Tropicana. And in um, for our different, you heard, if you listened last week, Derek's doing all organic and local for Lent. So this is a local heavy seas brew. Excellent. So. Excellent. Well, I am giving up beer for Lent. Uh, I don't understand, Brian. Which what? What is wrong with me? I host right? the Pup Theology podcast and I'm giving up beer for just for <laughs> Lent. But not to disappoint anyone, I am drinking a uh, Lafroig uh, single malt Scotch whiskey ten there year. You go. So you know, no one needs to feel bad for me. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't cry for Brian Argentina. Don't He's just fine. He's fine. <laughs> I'll get by. I'll get by. So I want to add that um, Tamika also raises two beautiful children who are very close in age to my, um, two of my children. Well, most of my children, right? Like they're all there together. Yeah. Um, our, our girls are just about like a few weeks apart, I think. Yeah. Um, and also her husband is an artist and activist and um they're good people and she's a very patient and wise woman. So if you don't know her, thank you. I appreciate all of that. There we go. <laughs> I should have let Shannon introduce me. <laughs> I always, I always make my best friends write my bio. I appreciate that. You know, they say nicer <laughs> things about me than I do. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Excellent. So uh, tell us a little bit about your podcast uh, for collared girls. Yes. For collared girls. So Collard spelled like collard greens. Um, We are podcasts and a space that uh, provides a platform for women of color to speak their truth and to tell their stories um, about who they are, about their faith and their spirituality. Um, And we're really just starting off. We are about to release our fifth episode. Um, Yeah. It's a, it's a journey. We're we're still working and figuring out what we are, but it's yeah. it's a beautiful journey at that. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I really everybody who listens to us, you should also subscribe to them. They're just totes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you should totally yes, do that. Yes, you should. <laughs> so that's F O R collared girls. That's fantastic. I love the play on words there and uh mm-hmm. yeah, please check it out listeners of Pub Theology Live. Uh it's going to be and is fantastic. Yeah, tell us about uh, what tradition maybe you were raised in or what's formed you. You mentioned your seminary is a Lutheran seminary. Uh, mm-hmm. And t- is that tradition that you grew up in or have you migrated there from elsewhere? I migrated to the Lutheran church. I actually grew up in a uh, non-denominational church whose roots are in holiness. So straight mm-hmm. Pentecostal to Lutheran. You can figure that out. It's cool. Nice. Um, yeah, and I actually, I, I started my seminary journey basically around the same time that I became Lutheran. So um, it's been, it's been the, quite the bumpy ride. Uh, <laughs> I was, in, I guess, like all things in the beginning, very exciting, a new kind of understanding of my faith and theology, still new, still finding out these things, um, but also learning that everything ain't always gold and great. <laughs> So it's been a it's been a really good um, challenge for me. Part of my journey is um, really dismantling a lot of like things that I learned that I feel are oppressive and um, not good theology at all. Yeah. A lot of embedded stuff, and um, but at the same time recognizing and appreciating my my grounding and where I came from. Um, in this new setting of faith. So it's a, it's, it's a really beautiful transition in life. And um, yeah, I'm really liking all the new things. Some of it sucks, but <laughs> I appreciate where I'm at now and um, a lot of things that I'm growing in. So, yeah. 
Excellent. Yeah. A lot more hoop jumping in the Lutheran faith. <laughs> Although less physical than in the Pentecostal faith. Yeah. <laughs> there was physical hoop jumping and now there's, you know, yeah. paperwork. <laughs> right. How many ways can we say the thing without saying the thing? Right. Oh my goodness. I'm so it's good at that now. <laughs> so oh. I met I met Tamika. Tamika and I met about like five years ago, I think, around then, maybe six. Yeah. Um, somewhere between there at the Slate Project, which is a um, new church development online community. She's way more involved in it than I am. Um, but we met through mutual friends and through the Slate Project. And, um, you know, it's one of those like good friends that never get together kind of things, right? Yeah, it really is. <laughs> we're together hang out we love to hang out and it's like we should totally do this do that and then we never like can because busy life we're busy preacher mamas and it's it's ridiculous it's true but so is there something that you're uh reading right now uh either personally or in seminary or an author who's really just like got you pumped or like giving you a new lens on things yeah, nothing really for enjoyment yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> but because ain't nobody got time. But um, I for Lent the, at the church we're reading Brene Brown's uh, "Braving the Wilderness," mm, and nice. so yeah, together. So I'm looking for. I started reading it already. It's, it looks really good, and I've been what I've read so far um, is really good. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that journey during Lent. Um, eventually I would really like to read my Christmas present, which was, uh, the Black Panther book, number one, uh, A Nation Under Our Feet by Tana mm. Coates. I'm really looking forward to cracking that open when I have time, um, since I've seen the movie like three times already. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's, that's my hopeful joy, full reading soon when I have time. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds great. Sounds great. And Shannon, you're reading uh, Howard Thurman for Lent. Is that right? Yeah. So um, part of, so I have my Lenten practice of 40 days of yoga, which I'm beginning, like this morning I was like, it's only day six. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh God, help me. Um, and, and so, and then like Derek's doing all organic. So I'm doing special, which by the way, I do grocery shopping. It's just my job in the house. And so I'm doing special grocery shopping for that too. But we decided that we were going to do together. We got the book, um, 40 day journeying with Howard Thurman. And, um, so every morning we drink coffee together. Like if you listen to the podcast, you know, he brings me coffee in bed and, (laughs) when we talked about our morning routines like a month ago um, and we sit there and we talk, we do the devotional together and um, it's, it's been good. It's been really interesting. Um, and yeah, it's short, you know, like in any devotional, it's a short reading of his and then questions and scripture and um, they have you do journaling, but we just treat those as questions too with each other. But yeah, we've been Howard there. I'm also reading, um, I'm reading a lot of Desmond Tutu right now. So we're doing forgiveness throughout Lent at church. So the book of forgiving, um, and we're following the prodigal son story, um, which is, uh, the book is the prodigal son, like the story of homecoming by, um, Henry Nowen. So I'm using both of those books for our Lenten worship series. Yeah. And the book of joy, which also is Desmond Tutu and the Dalai Lama is kind of my, my, fun read I don't I don't whatever but like <laughs> it's kind of the thing I read when everything else is, is done yeah. yeah I don't know I'm one of these like I never finish a book but I have 15 books going at one time you know yeah <laughs> and I can't remember the last time I read a novel probably you know six years ago we got to work know. on that got to work on that <laughs> audible is your friend That's it is my friend it. audible is my friend it yeah. really is yeah. <laughs> so Brian, what are you reading? Have you taken on a Lenten reading or? Well, I was going to say for those not familiar with uh, Howard Thurman, uh, African-American uh, contemplative mystic uh, activist mentor, mentor to Martin Luther King Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, just really worth uh, checking out uh, 
some of his writings, uh, some really rich and powerful stuff. So our congregation is uh, sort of focusing on on immigration for Lent. And so I just today put together uh, finishing touches on our reading list. So I'm still uh, still poking through that and uh, but looking forward to digging in uh, to something um, along those lines. Yeah. Looking at a little Ann Coulter's book then on immigration reform. Yeah, yeah, no. (laughs) Uh, No, I couldn't help myself. I just couldn't help it. (laughs) And then you know, reading through a little uh, Brueggemann for Lent, just you know, kind of he's he's just always good. His uh, I just appreciate his sort of anti-imperial gospel liberation. (laughs) You know, kind of focus. I mean, what more is there to say about Brueggemann? (laughs) It's good stuff. Good stuff uh, for sure. So, you guys have both uh, seen Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that true? We went together. Yes, on, indeed. Um, you went together. Friday. We did. Yeah. We went together on Friday morning. Yeah. That was my first time seeing it. Shannon yeah. took me for the first time. Well, yeah. well, give me give me the rundown. Uh, you know, we can't worry about spoilers. We're not worried about that. But just tell us what what moved you about the film. What you liked about it, and yeah. Oh, okay. How do I count the ways? Where to start? (laughs) Where do I begin? Well, let's begin with Chadwick because holy... Oh, my Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. God has blessed him with many gifts. Um, Yeah, it was just a stunning, stunning movie. Just beautifully done. Um, Just on the surface. If, like, we're not even looking at the message of the movie itself... I think the plot was great. Um, the storyline is wonderful to follow. Um, the just the artistry and the costumes, like all of it, it was just so stunning and um, amazing to watch. And I definitely teared up several times <laughs> as I was watching it, just just because of the beauty of it and the message of it. Um, yeah, and now that I've seen it three times, I can kind of like dissect a little more some of the messages (laughs) Um, but I think for me personally one of my favorite parts is that they managed to encompass um, so many different um, cultures of the African diaspora and um, in, in such a way that honored all of the of the people um of the diaspora and um in a way that wasn't like, I usually find that those kind of movies can be a little bit more like caricatures of people, but this was like, this is what it could look like if we all existed in this space. Um, And it honored many cultures. And I just, it was very like diverse and I don't know, it was just so much to take in. Like the first time I watched it, I was like, I don't even know how to talk about this right now (laughs) I don't even know what I'm looking at I just know it's beautiful and amazing um yeah and the story again the storyline is just you think of this like place that hasn't been colonized in Africa in the on the continent um and then what that looks like what kind of struggles or what kind of opinions will be there um and how they will perceive the rest of the world and what their responsibility is to other people of the diaspora is their responsibility. And like, so that struggle that I think many um, people um, of African descent do struggle with amongst ourselves, but they brought it to light in such a way that it can open up conversation. So it was just like, it's such a dope movie. Mm. Yeah. Just see it, see it several times all the time. Yeah. yeah. I, I, we saw Jarek and I saw it on Thursday night and we had originally had tickets for Friday morning. And then we realized that our schedule, Derek's schedule wasn't going to make that. So we, so I, I took Tamika and um, so after, so that was my second showing. Right. And so like I walked out of the second time going any even minor, like, so Derek and I always, he, Derek's like a film studies major, his bachelor's degree. Right. So like, he has to go through and like critique. So I've learned like how to look at this from a critic's eye because I don't know, 
Because <laughs> Derek. Because Derek, right? <laughs> and so we we went out to, you know, we went and saw the movie, went out to a bar, and I was like, well, here's a couple critiques. You know, like, not bad critiques, just like, I noticed this, I noticed this. And so I called him as soon as you and I left the theater, and I went, I take it all back. I just love it. I take it all, <laughs> I take it all back. Whatever I said, I take it all back. Yeah. Um, and you, Tamika, you said, as soon as the movie is over, we were standing up to leave, and you said... I can't wait to bring Naya to this. Yeah. That was your first sentence out of your mouth after that. Yeah. And Naya's her daughter. Um, and, and yes, right. The, not just the symbolism and the beauty of the African cultures, but like the high prominent places of women yep. in this, right. The power of women, yep. the, um, I, I will never forget there was this man sitting next to her that was vocal during the movie, which was great. Like it was phenomenal. It was fantastic. Yeah, he helped. It was great. He, he, he did help. He just was he was going. And mm -hmm. and there's this one scene where um the the general, the warrior, her boyfriend is about to do something really stupid. Yeah. And she <laughs> just like stands there and and the look on her face and he every every bit of his like masculine primal i've got this blah 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 just goes out the window and just the look that she gives right right and it's the it's 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 so perfect and it's not seen as bad in any way it's seen yeah. as like you fool get off of there and like come to your senses right and also there is this really great um balance between reverence and um what's the word i think we have a hard time and in our culture in general but even in the black community and trying to balance um how to revere one another women and men and there was just really great balance of power distribution and even though you had kings like you could tell that the women were also in charge. Like that was just clear. Right. Nice. And um, it was just a level of respect that they, that they shared with one another. And uh, yeah, it was, they respected the black women and it was dope. Like they, <laughs> they said the things and when they didn't listen, it was clear that they should have listened. And <laughs> right. <laughs> like it was just so, it was so such a great, like narrative that has been running through a lot of conversations I've been having amongst and in, in the black community amongst my friends about what it means to be a strong woman and also a human being and vulnerable and all of these things and they encompass all of that within each character in different ways it was just phenomenal yeah and that part where when he took the knee when he he was like all right fair enough right at the right. end yeah like, exactly exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. well, those of you who haven't seen it don't know what we're talking about i'm sorry go out and see it. it right now <laughs> you'll when you see it you'll you'll snap your hand with me it's cool yeah you'll get it it's fine <laughs> and and i i mean i have to admit that like so i have i have friends who are black that like live in very white spaces like oklahoma and kansas and and they're posting on like, they're there opening night, they're there Thursday night, and they're like, I'm one of five people in the theater, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I have to admit, there's something really beautiful about being in Baltimore and um, being in a theater that is, is, the opening night, I was, I think maybe one of two or three white people in the theater. And so, and just watching, and I, I said this that night, like telling Derek, like just watching him be able to be in black space and watch a black movie, right? That, that just the comfortability of that, the seeing him relax into that and the, you know, having the freedom, the women, there were a lot of snaps, you know, instead of clapping, there were just, there was just a lot of beauty in finding that. And I think the movie really encompasses the sacredness of community and the struggle of what happens when there's discord in the community. Mm -hmm. um, and, and just watching that as I'm watching, you know, a beloved community in Baltimore, which is, you know, as we know, in a very race torn city. Um, it was really, it was really beautiful on multiple levels. Yeah, it was. 
And correction, I don't know if Black Panther is a black movie. I mean, it's for us. Yeah, well, no. Hero movie. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. Okay, yes. But I think that's a good point. I, I guess what I'm saying is like, I guess for me, it, the power of being able to see a majority black cast. Mm -hmm. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I hear Not that. so much a black movie is like a category that like there's white movies and black movies, but mm -hmm. more of like, um, this is very difficult to talk about. I just want to name that too. But like, <laughs> um, but like I'm, I'm, and that's one of the, you know, right? There's these things, these stupid people going around Facebook, like this cast isn't diverse. And I'm like, this is the most diverse cast we've ever seen. Right. So like there's from all over the world. Are right. Like, and these are the same people movie. that think Africa's a, a country and not a continent. Precisely. Right? Oh right. They probably couldn't even point out where Wakanda was on the map. It's right. <laughs> It's like people are buying tickets to Wakanda and I'm like, yeah, oh. <laughs> it's all good. It's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but, um, yes. But I think that's an important correction, right? Yeah. Like the importance of, I mean, that I want all of my children to see this movie and, and if it weren't for the cost of taking six of us to the theater, you know, right. we would have gone already to see it. Right. Um, but just, just having that powerful imagery I, I just, I think that imagery is beautiful. And yeah. I, I, to see not just warriors, right? Not just um, even female warriors or people like that are doing action, but um, you know, the, the, the princess who's this huge tech person. Um, and she even does a little bit of fighting in the movie, but like the technology side of that and how much we talk about women in general let alone black women not being in science and technology and and just to be able to see all of that in this beautiful cultural icon yeah did you know she was six like she's supposed to be 16 i did not know that i kind of figured in actually, real life yeah like in the the storyline she's supposed to be 16 years old oh in the story but we actually yeah. had a discussion about not you and i derek and i had a discussion about that about mm -hmm. how old she was supposed to be and i looked it up she's actually 24 she's 24 okay okay yeah but right. she's supposed to be 16 but she's a very thin she's a very petite woman the the character was she yes. supposed to be 24 in the movie or 16. No, she's 24 in real life. Yeah. 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 The character's supposed to be 16. Yeah. Like, and like just as another layer of absolute life. genius. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they point that out. I mean, there's, there's a man that comes and says, you've turned over this beautiful, huge weapons technology, blah, blah, blah system to a child. Yeah. And, and just the ability, like, she's amazing and she's hilarious. Let's not yes. lie about that. She is right. Amazing hilarious on multiple levels yeah probably Ryan, one of my favorites you really do i I'm, <laughs> really uh, well <laughs> yeah <laughs> i really do for yeah. sure for sure so i'm wondering tamika was were there any um i don't know explicitly theological themes and or learnings you think the church could take from this film mm. yeah so there's this like really important thread about how do we use our resources yeah. and like I think that churches tend not all so I don't want to be too like I don't want to you know paint with a broad stroke but um tend to be very conservative conservative in terms of like how they want to use their resources and it's usually to preserve the church the building the space the right. community um, and in this movie, it really challenges that idea of how do you, like, what is your responsibility when you have privilege? What is your responsibility when you have the resources? Hmm. And, um, and there's, that's, you know, that conflict there, um, with, uh, wh what happens when you decide it's more important to, uh, preserve your spot in the world and keep it safe, right? Um, and and not look out for others. And in this case, others who are part of your bloodline and a part of your heritage, but are not like you. Um, but in the church, if we're thinking about being um, children of God, um, then that's everyone, right? So, <laughs> yeah. so I think that that grappling with 
how we use our resources in our churches and how we try to um, keep them within our walls and keep our walls up <laughs> as opposed to how we extend those resources and extend our own privileges um, in the world, in the communities surrounding us and why so many people then do not actually walk within our doors because of that. So um, I think that's a beautiful lesson that this movie brings uh, to many of us. If that, you think about it, That's great. And I, you named something that my own community is, is working through, you know, I'm pastor of a new church start in the UCC and it's about a year and a half old. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, fortunately we're not in a position where we have a building. Uh, so, you know, we have monthly rent, but we don't have to, pay utilities or a mortgage or things like that. And and we're trying to wrestle with exactly what you said, you know, when people give to our community, it's yes, it's to help sort of sustain the community, but it's also because we want to make a difference in the world. We want the world to right. begin to look like the kingdom of God. Right. And some of those things are justice things. And some of those things are putting resources in places where they're needed and where right. we're not going to see it back because it's not about just sustaining us, you know? Right. But it's yes. so hard, you know, it's it like, <laughs> it's not, it's not a simple equation. I wish there was just like a little, you know, yeah. little program yeah. that tells us how to divide it up. But we're trying to walk into that faithfully and take some risks, but I know we need to be pushed more. So thanks for naming that out of the film. That's something I'll look for, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think too, especially when you look on it from like, so more of a, is opposed to an individual church, but more of like a denominational level. Yeah. At least, so my denomination, the Presbyterian Church USA, we put out this very like, we're dying, we're needing more and more and more in terms of resources. And the reality is we have, we're sitting on billions of dollars. I mean, you know, the numbers out there are astounding of how much money we're like, quote unquote, sitting on. <laughs> no, exactly. And right. don't talk about that. We don't right. talk about that. Yep. And, and we don't have, and so there's this mentality of scarcity. And, and one of the things it's, it's in the, the end of the very first scene, right? Is mm-hmm. that Wakanda, this, this nation has put this image out to the world that they are a third world country that's right now they don't take aid right like they've refused aid they've ref- they don't whatever so it's yep. not like they're siphoning off from other you know or whatever or, or that we are either but we're i feel like as a denomination we are putting out this image of scarcity mm-hmm. when the reality is we have more than enough of what we right need. yeah um, but I yeah. think that's part of the struggle. That's part of the debate. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it was for protection, right? Exactly. And yeah, and, and I get it. You know, we're all scared. <laughs> it's just, it's, a, it's part of our nature. It's also part of just like our, where we live, our country, how we are, the narrative we're told. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a lot of fear around our decision making. And we, it's time for us to start living up to what we actually profess. Um, which is a trust in the Holy Spirit and a trust in God to um, be that protector and that resource and, and do what we're called to do, um, which is to be more like the kingdom. And that looks a lot different than some of the ways some of us look right now. So right. <laughs> I'm just saying. you can say that again. <laughs> so, so, I mean, yeah, so that's, I think, um, as an overall overarching, I mean, yeah. I think there's a, definitely a more specific message for um, people of the African diaspora and, and how we can um, help each other. And I think that that's important to name. But if we're looking at the moral and um, universal message that can be taken from this movie, that's one of the major ones, I think. Yeah. You know, the, so yesterday in our in our Howard Thurman um, in our devotional, um, he was talking about uh, Haley's comet, um, mm-hmm. not the one in the eighties, but the one whatever the one before that was. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was talking about watching it, and that there was this guy in his town at the sawmill that was selling comet pills, mm-hmm. um, that, like protected you from the effects of the comet. <laughs> Hell. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, wow. cool. <laughs> you know, it was a Ponzi scheme, right? It was a like whatever. Yeah. And and the questioning though was like, 
have you ever bought into comet pills? Have you ever bought into, mm. and, and, you know, Derek and I first started having this conversation about insurance mm. and the trouble was, it's like, but insurance is good health insurance and even life. Like it's a, like it's, it's out of love. It's out of protection. It's out of whatever. But then we started talking about, um, cause it was like, what are modern day comet pills or whatever. Right. And we started talking about warranties. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And like, so the, true. right. Best, the best buy. Yeah. Like <laughs> what assholes, right? Like just make your product work. Don't make me pay $20 more. Right. Like, right. Yeah. Just in case it breaks. Exactly. Like, like I spent all this money. Quality. Quality. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so there was this, like, there's, there's a struggle of, is is insurance not trusting god no not so much right, right, right. but there's there's um and actually we were talking about i would i brought up black panther as a like you know when you live in community mm -hmm. when you live in real community right like not necessarily communes but if i buy a product and it breaks or if i need milk or what what's the like a cup of sugar right like right and i know my neighbor i go to my neighbor and i grab a cup of sugar and i don't live in fear that i won't have enough that i won't have what i need that kind right. of right um and that that there really was that kind of overarching theme that that beautiful message over and over again of of we can rely on each other and do we or do we not expand our circle you know, yeah, really, do yep. we really want to expand our circle? You right. know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's a beautiful wrestling question. Like it wasn't easily made. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The thing about uh, comet pills though, is that each person needs their own. So that was, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm teasing, <laughs> you know, uh. <laughs> It was an interesting story. Let me put it that way. <laughs> well, so so as an analogy in the church, like, mm -hmm. you know, I feel like, you know, I was raised and then sort of went in, in, in and out of circles uh, where, where, you know, the gospel was sort of this, this fire insurance against God punishing you in hell. And that's how, right. that, that's mm -hmm. what we offer. And that's what the church is about. And you come right. to us if you're worried about, you know, eternal damnation and avoiding that. And to me, that feels a little bit like the, the comet pill, you know, like, aren't we about more than that? And what Absolutely. about the lives God has given us right now? And it just has that feeling of this scheme, like we're the only ones that can give it to you and, right. and you got to show up to get it. And if you don't show up every week, maybe it's in jeopardy. I don't, I'm not going to say yeah. that, but may I might hint at it. You know, and, well, and even go back to indulgences, right? Like buy this and you shall have, I right, mean, right. that yeah. was honestly my first thought was like, it's an indult, it's an indulgence. It's a, I pay for this and I'm protected. My family's protected, you know, right. Yeah. Whatever. And, and honestly, <laughs> the struggle with being as progressive as we are is that the conversation was like, <laughs> So the man selling, right? Like what did, maybe his family was, maybe this was all that they could do to make money. Like maybe, you know, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're trying to see his side. Yeah, you're, trying to you're trying to see his side on the thing. Yeah. We are, we were trying to redeem him so <laughs> Give him bad. some humanity. Like he really just, yeah. <laughs> well done. He really just needed some cash, you know, to buy some bread. For, yeah. Like we were trying so hard to redeem him. <laughs> It could be possibly true. This it, is it all could be. right. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, the other discussion and all that is is, and even with like Wakanda, right? Part of the question this this country that Black Panther exists in is like, what would have happened if, right? Like, what would have happened to Africa if colonialism hadn't happened? Mm. Like, what would have happened if Manifest Destiny in America hadn't happened? Or, you know, even in Africa, right? Manifest Destiny occurred. Yep. Yep. Um, the white savior coming in. And although, I, I mean, it's this ideal, but like literally our cell phones run on a chemical that is mined or a mineral that is mined in Africa, right? That right. is exploited. I mean, if <sighs> we know that and we buy our iPhones anyway, right? We do it. Mm -hmm. um, 
but but it does bring up that question of like what does this mean for stewardship what does this mean for who's who owns this who right. gets this who discovers this whatever that yeah. means and and what if what if we hadn't overstepped in terms yeah. of of white people in the world yeah and, I, I think it also gives a a more positive spin on um who people of african descent are and it's it's really dismantling a narrative of especially especially of people who live on the continent um as being unable to be modern and because a lot of the a lot of the things in the movie come from real life, right? Absolutely. Like they didn't just pull it out of the air. They, yeah. they looked at modern day Africa, like countries in modern day Africa. Like they didn't just like come up with some fantastical, this is like real life manifested yeah. in this space that's a utopia kind of a place. And um, so, yeah, it just, it gave um, like a, different narrative that we're used to seeing not just about the continent but just about people of African descent in general you know of black and brown people and um that yes you know there are some horrible things that happened and also like <laughs> we got some smart people we got some technology and guess what we probably could do it a little better you know like, yeah, yeah and that, oh, that right. cannot be said enough or enough <laughs> right. times or in right. enough ways right, right. I mean Honestly, all the movies could be saying that and it wouldn't be enough right now, right, you know, right. given our history. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And and I think that's the the harm of of or not the harm, I don't want to say that, but like we don't want to go too far of this is a fictitious country, right? Mm -hmm. The the people, the abilities are very real. Uranium doesn't exist, right? right. The thing that that I love that somebody this this thing's going around that's like um, somebody's talking to their kid after seeing Black Panther and the kid's mm -hmm. like black people with uranium make um, things like technology and things that 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 um, sustainable energy that whatever the 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 whole country and white people with uranium make a shield for one guy. Right, like, right. <laughs> like Captain America's shield. Like, that's all they do with it. That's, that's, that's all awesome. they do. That's awesome. Right. I'll, I'll, put, I'll right. put that on our Facebook page. But, uh, that's good. That's good. Hilarious. But, you know, one of the interesting things, one of the things Derek pointed out that I I really noticed the second time because he pointed it out is Claw, um, played by like Andy Circus, right? Um Claw says multiple times, at least three, I need to watch it again to count for sure, at least three times calls the people of Wakanda savages. That's right. Sure does. Right? Mm -hmm. Like specifically uses the word savages. And, yep. and one of the things that we talked about was like, why? Because they won't share with you, right? They're savages because they won't they won't share with you because they're distrusting of you. Yeah. Um, that doesn't make savages. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that's also, this is not, I'm going to be very careful on where I tow this line, but he's, <laughs> he's Afrikaner. So that's also, I think mm. a little bit of a mm, jab, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. And ex exposing of some of the um, real, um, discrimination that happened in South Africa. So, and, and yeah, I'm, I want to be very careful. <laughs> Any of my friends who are from South Africa who happen to be Afrikaner, I'm not um, trying to, you know, be rude, but this is real. Yeah, yeah this that's is right. real, right? Yeah, so, it is. Um, yeah, so it's, it's not just like because they weren't sharing, it's because he really believed that. Right. Because he believed that the Black people were savages yes you know and I, mean? I i just thought i found it very powerful that they really used that word and they pushed it they didn't just say it once they said no it he said it times. a lot of times he, yeah. did. he said it a lot of times meanwhile he's using their technology right right how much they have it like it's, yeah it's, it's, it's amazing yeah I, I think they hit on a lot of important things in this movie. and i i have to go back to one so when when i was in cuba in january um one of the things that i was in a new city i was in matanzas which i'd never been in 
and we went to a specifically Afro-Cuban museum and it was so beautiful in that museum um, was um, the, the, the different gods that the Afro-Cubans had brought with them. Mm-hmm. And what they did was adapt um, those gods to Catholic uh, saints, right? Mm-hmm. So, so there was an equivalent in each one. Mm-hmm. But this museum itself had, had kind of their original um, outfits and things like that in it. And, and it was so interesting to have just been there and seen that and then to watch this movie. And I'd also watched um, some clips online about the the costuming decisions and the red clay specifically that they used and and the four different tribes or the five different tribes that they pulled from and did things like that yeah and and one of the things we were talking about um about the like the afro-cuban people which is different from like the african-american is the that they the Afro-Cuban people seem to, although still, like, again, nobody's denying the atrocity of, of that, mm-hmm. they got to adapt their gods in a way that African-Americans didn't exactly get to adapt. Yeah, right? it was stripped Be- away from that. It was very stripped away. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in, like, the Caribbean, and, and it'd be interesting to hear Ogan talk about this sometime, but, like, in the Caribbean, it seems that it was a little more adapting than it was completely stripping away. Um, And so there, and so to watch, I guess that for me, part of the, there were some um, religious ceremonies in the movie, um, one in particular, and and it was very moving to watch Mm -hmm. this ceremony and the multiple tribes coming together to watch this ceremony. Um, and And the movie really hinges on this ceremony. Um, you know, like whether or not it's over yet is a big question and when it's over and, um, it, there's a lot of religious undertones happening in it and, and very beautifully done. Right. Um, very, very beautifully done. Yeah. The afterlife and the, it's just, yeah, it's just so many pieces. That's just, wow. I would also add that, like, I think one of the myths that we talk about in America about um the black experience is that somehow um like our cultures were just completely dispelled and i don't think that that's true it's just hidden like people just learn how to hide it a little better that's where we get a lot of our songs that's where you know um and so i think what you're finding now is a lot of people are exploring what that was and what um how you know a lot of different cultures were maybe in disguise in some of the, you know, the churches, <laughs> right. <laughs> because, yeah. You know what I mean? And, yeah. uh, and just like the songs that, you know, we talk about with Negro spirituals and all that stuff, like those were all messages to each other. And um, that definitely comes from um, our, our heritage from back on the continent. So um, yeah. I think a lot of people are trying to recognize that and reconcile that within themselves here um, in this country. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's amazing how resourceful, how, um, I can't think of the word, there's a word like, right? Like how powerful mm-hmm. yeah. and persistent people Resilient. Are. Resilient. Thank you. That's the word. Like I couldn't find it, but how resilient um, and, and specifically, you know, um, I think specifically African Americans are, and this movie really did tie in the American, the African American like struggle. Yeah. Um, yep. It really, I mean, the fact that they went to Los Angeles in 1992 really <laughs> said something very quickly in the movie. Right. So, right. Yep. Like. Yeah, I'm telling you, they included every kind of narrative they could have. <laughs> right <laughs> it, that's why it's such a brilliant thing like they and it mm. it wasn't it was just very it's just well done it wasn't in your it wasn't like mm. oh, bam here you go this is the and that's the thing person in america it was, it was hilarious like, too power. let's not lie about that right? oh my gosh yeah it was so funny like classic it was, it marvel was very entertaining yeah classic marvel i like that's one of the things i love about watching marvel movies to be honest is their humor 
their willingness to make you laugh through yes. the action and, and the storyline. So yeah, totally stuck with the Marvel way of doing things, but like in a way better way. I mean, nah, I'm just being honest. It was just yeah, right. like one of the best. I mean, it's just a good damn movie. Like, let's not lie about that. <laughs> right. <laughs> so watch it. Everybody go see it. All right. the things. Boom. <laughs> yeah. There it is. Yeah. So, uh, what do you guys feel like in our in our last uh, ten minutes or so? We could talk about uh, last week's uh, shooting in Parkland. We could talk explore more about uh, life in the church as a female clergy member or a person of color. Special practices for Lent. <laughs> what, what, what are you guys? What are you guys feeling like? Brian's like, oh, light it man. up. There's so many things. <laughs> well. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, mean, I, I, think we, go I ahead. Think we should talk about Florida, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, and yeah. I, think, mm-hmm. I think we should talk about it. I think we should talk about it in terms of the. So I mean, <sighs> I'm just yeah. Gonna, let's just all deep breath and heavy sigh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Um, but I guess it's the thing that everybody's talking about right now, or at least, you know, everybody is in NPR, but nonetheless, um, is the astonishment of the activism that has come out of these students. Yes. Right. And, and that they have not skipped a beat. Nope. They have not skipped a beat and they took, they're taking this and they're grabbing it and they're saying, we want to be the last one. We right. want to be the last one that has to experience this enough yep. already. Yep. And thank God, right. right? Thank God. Yep. And and I think in church we don't know what to do, right? Like I, we're so we're we kicked off our our series on forgiveness, and and I had to add in. I mean, not that I care about, not that I mind adding this in. Let me put it this way, but I had to add in. Like I need to be very clear that that granting forgiveness or seeking going down the road of forgiveness does not mean we stop seeking justice. Right. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. And and that they can, that, you know, forgiveness is something we do for our spiritual health, for our mental health, for our emotional health. And honestly, our physical health, there's, there's all kinds of science behind that too. But like granting forgiveness does not mean we stop seeking. Right that things can be better and that this can never happen to somebody else again. Right. Um, so yeah. Brian, you pulled out a, clo- a quote, right? From yeah. Emma Gonzalez's speech. Uh, well, actually the quote I had was from a 16 year old, um, looks like uh, Lilia Skinner who said, if kids aren't even allowed to purchase their first drink of alcohol, then how are we allowed to purchase and uh, buy guns at the age of 18 or 19? And then she said, I feel like as our legislators and leaders, they shouldn't be offering prayers and words. We need action. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Mm-mm-mm. I mean, I think this is one of those areas where we want to sit there and say, it's hopeless. It's it's always going to be this way. It's always been this way. And like, the, this is really honest to god this is one of those areas where we have seen countries so australia is an example right australia has like in 2000 i'm not gonna get it right i'll yeah. like anywhere it's right <laughs> whatever it is yeah. Australia, in some kind had this huge mass killing with an assault rifle and they absolutely walked back all their like they 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 did huge gun protection laws yeah, like, and gun buyback program. And did buyback programs and did massive reform. And guess what? Like the numbers plummeted. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something going around today about the ease of gun buying and the ease of, you know, state by state. And the, and the, and of course, Maryland's the exception to the rule, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> of course we are. But they can work. It's been proven to work. Yep. And, you know, Paul Ryan stood up and said, like, whoa, let's not make any harsh decisions. And I was like, 
screw you, buddy. Like, oh. we don't know all the facts yet. I was like, how many more facts do you need? Yeah, I just, like, we. it feels like we just keep having this conversation over and over again. And at some point, I just, I'm unable to keep having this dialogue. Yeah. Like, it, it, you know, and so I'm all for uplifting and and amplifying the voices of our youth who are not afraid to say the things and um and without any censorship they're just like nope this needs to end and so what are we going to do about it and i think that call um to the nation to make changes is necessary um it's the same, and for me, it's the same kind of proclamation that um, if you follow the lectionary uh, <laughs> that we heard last week with um, Jesus proclaiming that the kingdom of God is at hand, um, repent. So let's just repent and change, um, turn ourselves around and fix it. Like, it's just, that's what it is. Amen. So. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not even going to go any more into this. Like if we were to just no, like mm-hmm. it, enough people died that at some point I'm, I'm no longer willing to have any more dialogue. I, about I, I hear you to make it's like, <laughs> yes. it's like we've shared all the memes. We've shared right. all the links. <laughs> we like, all we've, of the logic has been we've, made. We've, <laughs> we've seen all the graphs about the number of guns yeah. per capita right. and how we are off the charts. Uh. And yet I still have conservative friends posting about how actually when they wrote the second amendment, they did have rapid fire guns, but people don't talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, no, you're not defending guns still. <laughs> no. Stop. No. I'm sorry. We yeah, have 17 you, people dead um, from yeah. a mass shooting that happened in a school in which children went to learn. So enough is enough. That's yeah. all I have to say about it. And our churches are filled not only with students, but teachers. That's right. Yes. And, you know, they're going, I've had enough. And, and listen, yes, I would step in front. Yes, I would do that. That teacher does. But since when was becoming a teacher like joining the police force or the military? Yeah. Like right. since when was this an a you need to be able to be shot in the line of duty job? Yeah. yeah. And since when does it do I need to pack heat with my lunch as a teacher? <laughs> well, <laughs> right. what? Like, yeah, I just, that's what I people know. are suggesting. It's I unreal. Know. And let's not even, I can't, like, again, that's a discussion I just can't have. I just can't. What do we, like, want a Western, like, I just don't understand this logic, like, old Westerns in our schools now, where people are just like, let me hear, yeah, like, I just, I'm unable, we just need to fix the thing, just enough is enough, like. (laughs) I I do think, I mean, go ahead, Brian, go ahead. Well, I was just saying, I mean, at some point, I mean, if you're a parent with young children, I mean, it crosses your mind, like, you know, uh, in, Nor- in Norway or Australia or Canada, right. I could raise my kids and I would be a little less afraid to drop them off at school. Right. You know, I mean, it just, yeah. pe- people are starting to think this way. I mean, it's crazy. So the day after the, the Florida shooting, um, a friend of mine who's a minister, she's a Methodist minister um, Mm -hmm. in Baltimore, and she had just had a baby. I mean, her baby is maybe two weeks old, right? Mm -hmm. And she posts and she says, she asks this question. She says, parents, I am, I am asking this for real. Now y'all know, I mean, everybody who's had a baby, like when you're two week old baby and, and you just had a baby, you're hormonal. And this is the most precious thing ever. And they're completely helpless. And right. And yet she's going, she asked this question. She said, I'm genuinely asking, how do you send your kids to school knowing that this could happen? And immediately my mind started racing. Like, we don't know anything that'll happen to kids. We don't know whatever. And I, and I went to keep scrolling. And as I did, another friend of mine had posted, it's complete denial. Yeah. We send our kids to school out of complete denial that it'll happen to our kid in our school. Right. And I was like, damn, like, yeah. I mean, I want to think that it's that I've somehow 
lifted up to God, my children's safety and my children, you know, like whatever, but no, it's because I live in complete denial that it'll be my kid or my school. Yep. You know? Yeah. Have you seen the one where uh, there's a little couple of quotes and it says, dear God, why do you allow violence in schools? And God answers, because you're not letting me in the public schools. Oh my God. I'm not able. No, <laughs> not yet. You can't, I mean, there's nothing to be said except I just want to throw up. And, and are you really yeah. saying that? Are yeah. you really saying that? So basically God's like, yeah, go ahead and shoot because you're not praying. and <laughs> it's Because you're not formally praying over the I'm, announcements. Oh, it makes it's, me vomit. Yeah. Ugh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. And I think that's, I mean, that's part of it for me is like, if we believe that God is everywhere, if we believe that God is working all things to good, right? If we believe that, that God exists in me and in you and in, even in this shooter, right? We, be, we believe that in, in our theological understanding of God. And yet we ask, how can this happen? And, and, I think God looks at us and says, how could you let this happen? Exactly. Exactly. That's the, that's the thing taking responsibility. That is exactly it. Yeah. And blaming. I mean, that's the thing. Like there are, there are moments to blame God. There really are. Sure. Absolutely moments in the world where we look at God and say, there, there's an old poem by, um, St. Cross, St. John of the cross. Mm -hmm. I think. And it, he says, um, Sometimes it's God who needs. Nope. Can't find it. Okay. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the gist of it is sometimes um, that sometimes we need to say fuck you to God. Oh, well, <laughs> there. You just distilled it. You just I can't, distilled I can't, it. I can't, there I can't it find it in my head. We need, like, like, there is no reason for this. There is no understanding. Yeah. And it is not God that grants forgiveness to us, but us that needs to grant forgiveness to God. Ah, uh, there it is. There's no goodness there. And I'm not saying it well. And I'm so sorry for that. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's it sort of, you know, uh, un, unraveling that thread of, well, God had a deeper purpose here. Like sometimes in the midst of evil and violence, there's there, no, there there's, there's not the time to say, well, God had this thing for you in the, no, just stop yeah. and just say, God is just as dismayed and distraught as we are and saying, right. how did you all let this happen? Right. Right. And I think we need to stop saying like, God has a hand in this when we could have prevented it. Right. Why does homelessness exist? Why do bad things happen? Why does all of this? And we say, why God, why do you let this happen? And, and I think God just turns around and looks at us and say, well, why do you, like, I gave you the power to fix it. Mm -hmm. Fix yeah, it. I think that the, <laughs> the difference is, uh, did God cause the bad thing to happen? No, I would say. Right. But can God use whatever the aftermath is for something better or positive of course but yeah. but god doesn't design tragedies to happen so that we can right. all you know find Absolutely. our deeper selves okay i need to redeem myself here we go <laughs> here's the quote it is god who should ask with all humility i say it is god who should ask forgiveness not we him someday you will know this a saint could explain. Mm. This is out of a book that I dearly, dearly love called um, Love Poems from God. And it is St. John of the Cross who nice. said that. Yeah, nice. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. well, we're, we're at our hour here. I want to say thanks to our guest, Tamika. Uh, any, any final thoughts uh, as we wrap ourselves up here? Just Wakanda forever. <laughs> <laughs> There That's it is. my answer to all the things from now on. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I mean, this is Star Wars jonesing for me. Like, I am like, when are we going to go back to the movie? Nice. <laughs> like, I am, I, this is Star yeah. Wars level good yeah. for me. If Fantastic. Not, I should probably do a little bit of like, Wakanda forever. There you go. <laughs> there That's you a go. little more. That's a more. And then you throw your wig. Oh, wait, no, yeah. no, 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 no. I just want to do, yeah, <laughs> the end. <laughs> 
Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you, friends, for tuning in to Pub Theology Live. Don't forget you can connect and spread the word on social media. Let your friends know you listen to this great episode. And of course, you can listen on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or iTunes. And if you want to rate us there, that's great. And it helps other people find us. If you'd like to join a conversation like this in your town, check out the official Pub Theology directory at pubtheology.com. And if you don't see a group there, you can find some resources to help you get started with your own group. And thank you again to our sponsors, Wink Wine Club, who you'll find at trywink.com slash ptlive, and the New Thought Channel at newthoughtchannel.com. So until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. Thank you again. What a, what a great conversation. So delightful to have you join us. And man, awesome. Thanks so, for having me. <laughs> All right, y'all. I have to, I have to pee yeah. down. I'm headed to my, my therapy session. Which mm, therapy's good. What We weren't enough for you? You know. I mean, this was really great. <laughs> my therapist is on point and I love her. So I'm <laughs> of course awesome. no, Brian, Brian uses this for therapy but yeah. nobody else should recommend this <laughs> no one else no one else <laughs> All right. thank yeah. you both have a great night bye, bye. see ya <laughs>